1: Welcome to this episode of the Translation Company Talk Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the importance of business acumen for the leadership of language organizations. It is not just a skill, but a mindset and a way of doing things. We have a large number of entrepreneurs in our industry that do not have the training or education as professional business executives and have been winging it for the lack of a better term. I have invited Anne-Marie Roots, To speak with me on this topic, we will be covering some interesting topics like why competence is important, how to develop competence and expertise, and what does it mean for our business, our staff, and our consumers. Anne-Marie has been in the localization industry since 2009 in various positions before becoming the COO of Malingo in Berlin, Germany earlier this year. In May, she enrolled in the Power MBA online program in order to gain more management and business expertise and increase her contribution to the company's growth. In Anne-Marie's experience, positive leadership paired with business acumen are pivotal for employee motivation and success for any language service provider. Welcome to the Translation Company Talk, Anne-Marie. How are you today?
2: Thanks a lot. I'm fine. We have a very beautiful summer day here in Berlin and um, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite.
1: I'm very, very excited to have you on this podcast and I'm sure everyone will benefit a lot from your perspectives today. So to get things started, please introduce yourself and tell us what you do.
2: Yes, um, uh, I have had various positions in translation and project management in the localization industry for the last um, little more over 10 years. Um, since April of this year I am the COO of Melengo in Berlin here. Um, we are a mid-sized localization industry, approximately 65 employees with a headquarters here in Berlin and offices in China, Poland and um, soon also in Costa Rica. Um, yeah, We focus on translation for the IT and technical industries. We do MT, some multimedia um, localization as well. We have in-house engineering, DTP, software development, um, departments, and I basically run the operations part of the company.
1: Very interesting. Thank you for sharing that uh, perspective and background. How long have you been engaged in the language industry? How did you find yourself in this industry?
2: Well, like so many others before me, um, it was a little bit by chance. It was um, back in 2009 that I started an internship, actually, in a translation agency also here in Berlin. It was uh, with Scribernick. And actually, my um, intention was more going to Berlin than (laughs) joining the localization, you know, but um, it was very, I learned a lot during that time. Um, I I was in sales and marketing back then. I did some SEO and email marketing, sales calls. I actually also got to um, join Localization World Trade Fair, which was held in Berlin that year. So that was very interesting for me. And then when I was, after the internship had ended, when I was looking for my first job, um, I was looking in a lot of directions, but I ended up in the translation industry again. At that time, I kind of knew that I, it was to stay.
1: Uh, how exciting. Please tell me about your journey and uh, what were some of the interesting observations you have had during your time in this industry?
2: yeah um well, in my first job it was a very, very small agency, so the job entailed everything from PMing, proofreading, vendor recruitment, QAing. So that was very um, useful to I, I got a lot of insight into different areas of the operation. And also, um, what I really liked was that I got so much insight into different topics from the texts or, yeah, the, the um, project that our clients were approaching us with. So we really got to, you know, see many interesting topics that we had never thought about before. And I really liked that from the start. Also, I believe this has, has been said before on your podcast. It's very important to have good relationship with the linguist. And that was also something that I learned during those years, you know, if you're, Kind of the other, kind with the other person and you're supportive and they will do the same for you. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, in 2014, I was looking for a new challenge and that's actually when I joined Milengo or back then it was still Think Global. Um, the two companies Milengo and Think Global merged in 2016 and I had, uh, held various positions, um, with Milengo. Until I ended up where I am now as the COO. And we had some turbulent years there with the merger. Um, we had to make some radical adaptions to processes we had grown fond of and used to. And, but the processes weren't working for us anymore. So it was, it was, um, sometimes turbulent, but I think it really mirrored the changes the whole industry was going through at the same time. So in the end, I think it helped us mature as a company.
1: So tell me a little bit about Melingo. Um, um, I'm sure we will cover different aspects of it and, and how you run this operation there. But what does Malengo do, and what's its field of experience and expertise?
2: Well, um, we really focus on the um, on technical translations for the um, IT software technical industries. Um, we also offer marketing translations for those for those um, companies. We have. Um, quite a few very long-standing customers that we have developed a very good relationship with. And the same is also true for our internal team. We have quite a few people who have been with us for a long time already and who have kind of yeah, a grown experience that we benefit um, from immensely.
1: Uh, Anne-Marie, today we are going to zoom in on the need for business acumen or business skills for leadership of uh, language companies, uh, translation companies, interpreting or anything related to languages. Please provide a general view of what do you see in our industry? What does the current picture look like?
2: Well, I think in this environment of constant change that we find ourselves in, business acumen is becoming immensely important, especially for, for leadership. We have to be very flexible, we have to adapt to a lot of different requests, but we also need very good judgment. Um, when a client approaches us with a request, we have to see, um, can we accommodate that wish or does it even make sense for us? Sometimes we have to decide against it because it wouldn't be profitable for us. So um, the LSP leadership must be able to make decisions under time pressure um, and um that's why I think it's very important to kind of develop this, this business acumen that you're referencing.
1: And uh, so let's let's talk about why do we have uh, a deficiency of business expertise in our industry. Um, from where you are sitting right now as, as a, a C-level executive uh, in, in a fairly large organization, what is the root cause? Where do you see the problem emanating in terms of uh, uh, the deficiency of business expertise in acumen?
2: Well, I think... Our industry is a pretty young one um, and people who come from business school and are ready to dive into, you know, the job are not necessarily going to say, yeah, I'm going to go into localization and that's where I'm going to make my money. You know, it's of not, um, it's more, an it, it's an industry where that you join because you have a passion for languages or because, you know, you, you like to work with people. And um, I think that's really where the strong um the strong um, strength of many of our team members lies and leadership skills and management skills are often picked up along the way but it's not something that is taught from the beginning though i think with the changes um, that we have that we see now with ai and mt related opportunities we see more involvement by technology experts uh, we see strategic acquisitions and such so I think these um, hard business skills are becoming more and more important.
1: Just to um, follow up on that question, um, a lot of translation companies, uh, by the virtue or nature of, uh, of their existence, they have been created by people who were experts in translating or linguists. Now, most of them are trained how to translate very well, and, uh, but they are not business people. What does it say about the nature of our industry today? Uh, does it does it mean that um, because we are lacking this expertise, uh, we are not we are leaving money on the table uh, for the lack of a better word in terms of business?
2: Not necessarily, but I think some lessons have to be learned the hard way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so right. um, yeah, I think we go through um, trial and error processes that maybe wouldn't be as painful if we had like if we had the skill and knowledge to approach it, quote-unquote, right from the beginning. So I think we, are, we, we may sometimes be not as efficient as, as we could be.
1: Understood. Now, um, that being said, I mean, there are two sides to every story. So if a translator becomes the CEO of a company, obviously they can explain the business or the, the operations part of the business very well. Uh, but on, on the business acumen side, when it comes to sales or uh, finances and so forth, there, there is um, opportunity for, uh, for improvement. I mean, any of us can, can say that. But uh, in your opinion, uh, do you think surrounding yourself with the right experts is a solution to the problem we are facing for this dilemma?
2: I think it's a good start, but it cannot be the end of it.
1: <laughs> of course.
2: <laughs> you, yeah, I think, um, I mean, we learn from each other and we learn through interaction with others. So I think, um, yeah, talking to each other, consulting experts can be a good start. But in the end, I think the um, whoever wants to um, run the organization will have to find a way to pick up the, requ- the required skills. and Or at least it will be much easier that way.
1: How is leadership competence reflective in the performance of a language organization, Henry? marie
2: Well, I think good leadership leads to happy employees, and happy employees lead to happy clients, and happy clients make our business successful. Of course. So um, I think that's a very simple equation. Also, as mentioned before, I think leadership competence is um, ultimately also making sensible decisions about which direction we want to go and not to lose focus.
1: Understood. And, and and how do you develop leadership competence?
2: Well, at Milengo, we have um, a dedicated team, actually. Um, we have a responsible person for lead, um, learning and development, which we are um, very happy about, which is kind of a privileged situ- situation also for a company our size. She has helped us to develop leadership um, training programs for, for our entire leadership team. We are currently working on... Um, Developing um, programs for the teams as well, and um, I think in this context it's very important that the leadership uh, role models this um, and is um, motivated and engaged. We can see it in our um, team when one of us like reads something or picks picks some information up and um, is excited about it and brings it to the team and shares it with us. Then another person will like pick up another aspect of that and maybe um, learn more about that. So it really turns into a virtuous circle once you manage to bring um, learning and personal growth as a virtue into your company.
1: Understood. And uh, do you think that leadership uh, competence is something that can be learned or it's something that we have as a part of our personal traits? And how do you identify them?
2: I think it's a bit of both. I mean, um, it certainly helps to have a formal education. I can tell for myself, I have um, recently started this, um, the Power MBA online uh, training program, which covers all the content that a classical MBA program does. And I find it very useful for my daily tasks because it just brings me, you know, um, models and standardized approaches to tackle certain issues. Or it gives me a better understanding of the business areas that are foreign for me, that are not like my, not where I grew up. Unquote. It also helps me identify my own weak points or our industries, uh, or our company's weak points in comparison to the competitor. And most importantly, it also teaches me to kind of learn to speak and think like the customer because many of them come from a formal um, you know, business background and speaking their language makes it easier to interact with them and sell to them. On the other hand, I think having this people skill or having a little bit of this um, natural leadership skill helps a lot. It cannot all be learned.
1: And and can you share some examples, Anne-Marie, where leadership has failed because there was no proper education or experience that could have avoided disasters?
2: In the recent months and years, we kind of uh, rolled out um, or put a very big focus on um, continuous training for our leadership. Because in the past, our leadership team had kind of grown into their role, right? They were the most experienced in their team. So they were kind of the ones taking over the lead but they never had any proper training on communication or when and how to give feedback or um, how to run a successful hiring process, for example, or also translating business goals into meaningful KPIs for their teams that motivate their teams. Um, and I'm not saying that there was disaster because of that, but I think all of us had these moments during the training where we, where we thought, wow, I wish I had known this two years ago. Maybe I would have not hired a person, um, a certain person who turned out not to be the best fit for us. Or maybe I could have tackled a certain communication of a um, um, delicate topic internally better so that there was less, you know, um, turmoil about that inter- in our company.
1: Understood. And uh, basically, when we talk about leadership qualities and acumen, uh, what are we exactly talking about? Let's, let's, that on the table. Let's make it
2: clear. Um, Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that can be a long list. (laughs) I think excellent communication skills are obviously very important. You have to be able to balance out um, the interests of the different stakeholders involved. Change management is a very important um, topic. I think you have to be able to see the necessity to change, um, be willing to go with the change yourself and also take your team with you and get them to, to see the necessity and support you. Performance management is another, is another thing that I can think of, um, that you are able to develop um, KPIs and incentives and um, really convey the goals of your business so that your teams understands, uh, understand why they go into that direction and how they can do it together so that um, they are stronger.
1: Understood. And does having an MBA make you a, a good leader? I mean, it's a template for learning how to run the business. It should give you the tools to do your job, but every situation is different and it's not just about running the business. Is it, Andrew?
2: Exactly. Yeah. I, um, as I mentioned before, I think it's not, it does not make you a good leader per se, but it can give you some very useful tools which are um, not unimportant. Such as, you know, being more comfortable with financial decisions because you know how to make the calculations. You know which risks to look at or, um, yeah, analyzing your competitors, analyzing the industry, um, positioning yourself within that industry. So I think it does have some perks, but it, right. it's not everything you need for, for being a leader. It's not all you need.
1: When we're talking about being a good leader, are we talking about leading for your company or leading, um, you know, in, in general, because there are people looking up to you.
2: Yes, I think those two topics are very closely intertwined, um, and we have leaders in our company who are not who do not have a hierarchical leadership position, but they act as leaders for the team because they, you know, role model good behavior, and they help out, and they they learn, and they tell others about what they learn. So um, it's not something that is inherently with the position that you have, but it's rather a mindset.
1: I think most leaders have the ability to keep an eye on their uh, profit and loss sheets, to develop strategic plans and so on. What about understanding people, uh, listening to them? Do they need to have the abilities to understand what their staff needs are? It cannot be a one-way street, right?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think it's very interesting that you phrased the question like this because... I feel like for me it's the other way around. Um, the people side of it comes a little more natural to me. <laughs> um, but you're right. I think both sides are very important. Um, the positive culture in the workplace is essential to success for the company. At Milengo, we have a dedicated people and culture team who not only takes care of our HR needs, but is also in charge of creating this positive work um, culture, supporting us. So our, our teams feel heard and can contribute really their skill and their dedication. And in the end, I think that makes us more successful because people can really bring their whole um, skill set and their whole personality.
1: Understood. And and there are times that as a business leader, you will have to encourage people to speak up and, and build that confidence. And and how much of that responsibility falls on you as part of your day-to-day work to to support your
2: staff? Mm, I think it's very important to, um, to have the empathy to kind of feel where every or every one of your team members feels comfortable and like where is it good to challenge them? Where can they grow? What is just not part of their personality and where maybe they, they are better left alone because this is not where they want to grow into. So yeah, I, I think it's very important to find a balance to give them um, the room and the challenge to grow, but not like um, ask too much of them.
1: Absolutely. Now, anne uh, business is about delivering value and being compensated for that value. That's how it has worked for thousands of years. How can a better educated and experienced leader deliver the better, a better value through the organization?
2: I think an educated and experienced leader is more confident in their decisions and um, also more efficient in the execution of their tasks which leads to a higher team satisfaction because they kind of feel, okay, they know what they're doing. I'm going to, you know, um, I'm on the right team here. And this is in turn reflected in the company's success.
1: Okay. And and, in most organizations, the leader takes uh, a sales role, um, uh, comes from a sales background. Um, In our industry, for example, um, we have people who are translators and then become salespeople because a translator essentially has to sell their skills too. Is that a healthy way of running an organization?
2: Well, I think in the moment where you take over a leadership role, it's important that you really learn to see all sides of an issue. Um, Of course, you have to stand up for your part or the, the part of the organization that you represent, but you have to have a balanced view. Um, we always try to include someone from every major area of our business into our decisions and also challenge each other. So when, for example, the sales guy is going strong with a new idea or, you know, pitches, his, pitches us his idea, there will always be someone from operations or procurement who says, whoa, whoa, you know, let's go slow and discuss this. And in the end, it's about finding a balance that every side feels comfortable committing to. We
1: have leaders in our organization more often than we would like that are micromanagers that want to involve themselves in every aspect of uh, an employee's work. What is the risk of having such people on top?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, everyone has their own unique leadership style, right? And the level of involvement that team members uh, wish to have from their managers is also, um, varies also. So, um my first suggestion would be to have an open conversation about mutual expectations and see, okay, you know, what, how would you like me to work with you and what do you need from me? And then allow space for regular feedback on that as well, because things can change or, you know, it's, it's easy to fall back into old habits. But yeah, if you really have someone who tends to micromanage and if you have someone like that at the top of your organization, I think that can be a very discouraging experience for everyone, um, working for that person because it leads to an atmosphere of control and distrust. And this is really not what we want.
1: So uh, when it comes to people looking up to um, leaders, what what are they looking for, especially in your staff? Because the leader is not supposed to get engaged in their work, right?
2: Yes, I think they are looking for clarity. You know, they, they really want to know what's expected of me and how is my work being measured? And is there someone who will support me when I don't know how to work? like when I have a problem right um, and then they need someone who is who can listen with you know with empathy and understands the, the problem and, and hints them in the right direction
1: so uh, how can a leader make uh, um, an, a member of staff or an employee feel comfortable and uh, and doing their job and, and you know being successful with their target whatever that is
2: I think in the end, it's all about being transparent. Um, when you hire someone, you need their or you, whether it's a new hire or someone who has been on your team for a long time, you need them to know what is expected of them and if if they are having trouble reaching that target, there needs to be an open conversation. What may be the reasons for that? It may either be because it's very it's a very unrealistic target. <laughs> Or it may be because of underperformance on side of the employee. And then the next question would be, okay, how can we support that employee to, to develop so they can um, improve their skills and maybe reach their goals next time?
1: Hey, Anne-Marie, I, I believe the best way to lead is to find uh, the best people to do the job, give them the tools and, and let them do their work uh, the best way possible. As leaders, do we make the environment inviting for creativity and to thrive inside our organizations?
2: I think it's important to know that creativity is not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. You know, there will always be jobs where you just need someone to come in and do their job from, from nine to five and that's okay. That's that's it, you know. But um yeah, beyond that when it comes to supporting creativity, um we at Milengo we believe in the um, we call it Netflix model of freedom and responsibility. We um, after the book um, by um, Netflix CEO, Reed Hastings and Erin Meyer, um, No Rules, Rules, it's about leading with context and not with control. You give people the information they need and then they can decide how they proceed. You know, they, you give them their range of responsibility and you give them the freedom to act how they choose. You give them the space to try out and make mistakes and learn from the mistakes. And I think this is also very, very important that the leadership should role model this, making mistakes, talking about them, you know, not trying to cover up and never talk about it again, but rather, okay, this is how I messed up last time. Let's talk about it. How we can we avoid this um, mistake in the future? And then it will be much easier for your team to um, have the same attitude and not... Um, yeah, be ashamed of mistakes because mistakes are very important.
1: One thing we are ignoring as leaders is that we are not just trying to lead an organization, but we are also trying to train and and mentor future leaders. Um, basically, the same staff at some point will take leadership roles as well. And, and if you don't think like that, I guess, uh, you know, there's a bit of out of touch with reality there. So as a leader how can we prepare future leaders what do we need to do in order to train them give them the right skill sets and and the right type of attitude and mindset
2: i think role modeling is very important here um, as i said that you, you yeah people will always um see or look how how do they behave and and kind of copy that in one way or the other um It's also important to have regular one-on-one feedback sessions to really find out, okay, what is the, what's the direction where this person would like to go? What's maybe the direction where I see them? Maybe that doesn't, um, that's not the same thing. So then, um, you can talk about that. Yeah. And then also then, then find, um, ways for them to try themselves out and, um, challenge them, give them more space so that they can make mistakes in a safe environment and learn from that and develop from that.
1: Understood.
0: This podcast is made possible with sponsorship from Hybrid Links, a human-in-the-loop provider of translation and data collection services for healthcare, education, legal and government sectors. Visit HybridLinks.com to learn more.
1: And Let's talk about continuous improvement and you touched on this earlier so besides on the job experience and training what can um, language service provider leadership do in order to stay up to date uh, informed and and relevant we all need that continuous improvement in the education well
2: they can listen to your podcast (laughs) (laughs) thank you but <laughs> well, I think there's an abundance of resources online, right? Um, it has very even increased with the pandemic. It's it's amazing how many uh, like um, events were held where you could just join from your desk without having to fly across the ocean or anything. So I think that's very useful, and I think that will um, at least part of it will stick. Yeah, as I said, we um, we have tried to develop training programs for us internally because it's very difficult to do it when you're alone at your desk and you see, oh, I have my weekly or monthly learning slot coming up. Hmm, oh, but I'm so busy. Um, let I, I'd rather do something else um, and, and skip it this month. But if we do it together, um, we hold each other accountable and everyone brings maybe um, a topic that the other didn't think of and we can challenge and tell each other about it. So I think it's very, very advisable to have a... Learning and development system within your company, and not leave it up to chance.
1: And what can you do at a personal level? You mentioned earlier that you're trying to take some MBA-type uh, education online. I've done the same thing in the past few, uh, the past few months. Actually, I finished some courses at MIT, and and I'm trying to constantly improve in, in areas that I. I I'm interested in, but at the same time, I, I have uh, weaknesses that I could bridge. So, um, as a leader, talk to me about your personal experience about how you identify areas of opportunity and how do you trust yourself and how do you generate that interest to continue improving, um, you know,
2: different aspects of your life? Mm, that's a good question. Um... I think for me, it's kind of easy because it comes natural. I'm a very curious person. And when I see something or I hear a topic, I always think, okay, now I have to dive deeper and see what else is there. Also with a, um, with a podcast landscape, <clears throat> you know, there's so much to learn. You can go from one topic to the next and then there will be an interesting guest on that topic and you research that person and then you buy the book and of in the course. book they reference some other book, So... Um, that's kind of how I do it. Oftentimes, I just get carried from one from one topic to the next. Um, at the same time, I think it's so. That's kind of more the personal, enjoyable part of it. But I realize sometimes I also have to learn about topics that are that don't scream here. <laughs> you know, that, no, of course. learn me, yeah. learn me. <laughs> that are a little more foreign to me. And so I think it's also important in my own feedback meetings with my boss that he tells me, you know, that I think this is an area where you should improve and please find some resources or maybe look into this and that. So um, challenging each other and providing open feedback on each other's strengths and weaknesses is very helpful there as well. If you have an atmosphere in your company where you can do that. Um, not only with your supervisors, but also with your peers, I think
1: that's very helpful. Anne-Marie, do you think that uh, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we have the abilities to sometimes unplug from the business and and, uh, try to um, somehow give ourselves a break and and try to focus on things that's not related to the business, which in a way gives our brain a little bit of uh, an opportunity to recover and recuperate and then do the business work better? Do we do this often?
2: I don't know about you. I try to. <laughs> 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 I think, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, um, we have recently discussed this in our company because um, people and during the pandemic, some people didn't take their vacation days because they felt oh, I can't go anywhere. So, I, you know, I just save them up. But we had a re- really a discussion about this. But um, everyone needs some time off. Everyone needs to rest in order to you know get their brains back into into reset mode and um yeah i think it's important that we that we take care of us and do that absolutely
1: our our business and our industry at large are undergoing pivotal changes primarily propelled by technology and outside forces as a leader what do you need to keep abreast of in order to uh, navigate this chaotic and sometimes rough waters we are passing through
2: I think um, our number one priority must be to stay in touch with our clients and see where are they interested in, where are they looking, and do we need to look the same way, or how can we support them, because um, with all these technolog- technological changes, I mean, it's it's exciting, it's interesting, But it's also a little dangerous that if we try to get ahead of the trend by coming up with like these new cool technology driven services, but in the end they miss the client needs, then it doesn't help us either. So listening to the client.
1: Understood. Now, uh, going back to the topic of business acumen for our industry, if you were to compare two, um, two companies, two language service providers, one run by... Uh, a leader who has the right expertise and business uh, acumen, uh, understands how, uh, for example, uh, the market works, under, predicts future challenges, as you just said, stays in, in touch with the customers, and has a very methodical approach to staffing, to, you know, uh, customer service, and so on. But then you have another LSP, which has been created by someone who's equally passionate, but basically has no idea how to run a business, is not a business person. in five years after these two companies start, what differences do you see in those uh, two organizations?
2: I think that um, the first organization has the potential for growth and the second probably may operate well in a niche, you know. They may find their niche that they are very good at. Um, maybe a certain... Um, certain target industry or maybe a certain service that they become very, very good at. And they, uh, I think they can um, survive well on that or have, have a good um, existence on that. But I don't see so much chance for growth if you lack this um, more strategic approach.
1: So they, from what I'm hearing, you're saying that the company which is led by an expert who's educated, they kind of know how to navigate. They have a, a, a site to their destination in a way that they have visibility uh, much longer than a person who's driving this organization who has no business experience. So they leave it up to chance uh, for their business to survive, right? Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's a good way to, to, um, to present the difference. Now that opens up an opportunity for um, the leadership in our industry to go and educate themselves where should they start? Uh, Should they do a gap analysis as to uh, what's missing in order to, to, to find bridges for that? For example, um, should they start with finance? Should they start with sales? Should they start with methodical approach of management? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, that's difficult, right? There's so much. Oh my God, where do you start? (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, I mean, you can go either way, either way, either you, um, Start wherever your strongest interest lies, because that's probably like the easiest way. Of course. Or, um, it's probably more helpful for your organization if you identify your, your weak points and, um, struggles that you are having and then ask yourself, Okay, which kind of knowledge, perhaps also which kind of consulting or, um, mm. which, which area of, of knowledge do I need to, um, develop in order to, yeah, bridge that gap and fill, fill that need that we have right now. So it's, it's probably a matter of prioritization if you want to do this in a targeted and um, systematic manner.
1: As, as things are changing in our industry, Anne-Marie, you mentioned technology earlier, but there's more than that. There is the way that, the business landscape itself is changing. For example, uh, Uber changed an entire industry outside uh, using technology, right? So did Amazon, so so did Google. Uh, Our industry is uh, going through some changes as we talked about earlier. How important it is for the survivability of your organization to have the right business skills?
2: I think it's vital. I think you will eventually not survive if you don't have the, the skills that it takes if you don't see the threats um, and the opportunities.
1: Okay. Now, as our associations and language industry groups, uh, are they doing enough to improve leadership qualities? I mean, certain amount of responsibility also lies on on uh, industry and uh, also at, at business groups that, that propel our industry at large. What would you like to see them offer to our leaders in order to improve the value we deliver collectively
2: as an industry? No, I'm, I'm not sure if this topic is tie- so much tied to our industry because there is so much knowledge out there already. Um, it's not really necessary that we reinvent the wheel. I think it's um, important that we go out there and find all the resources that are there and then probably bring them back, back to our organizations and use them. I think it will be more an organic growth in business knowledge and acumen um, rather than... Um, kind of creating um, events or education formats specifically for our industry.
1: Our industry is kind of unique in the sense that a lot of people don't know about it from the outside. And in the inside, uh, we do know about it and we try to maintain the same legacy knowledge uh, over time. I mean, if you look uh, behind those paywall. Uh, knowledge uh, centers or knowledge hubs, I'm talking about these large uh, associations that, that have developed, you have to pay a certain amount of dollars every year in order to see that knowledge. But that's from early 2000s, it has not evolved. And just because some people uh, who are pundits in our industry uh, delivered a workshop about sales or about something else, maybe it will or will not work and, and to your point that you said we should not limit knowledge to something specific to our industry how much of a service or this service is that knowledge hub doing to the lsp leadership leadership business acumen
2: it's a good question i'm not sure to be honest i have to confess that i don't use it that much i'm really more um, looking beyond our own industry for these topics I'm not sure. I don't have
1: a good answer for that. Sorry. Completely understandable. But in terms of uh, um, uh, an LSP leader, a president who um, is running a company, has run it for several years successfully, but uh, has now realized that things are changing and has to adapt. Do you think the conferences and events within our industry deliver any kind of educational value for them?
2: Yes, I think it's always good to hear how others do it or even to hear that others are struggling with the same problems you are struggling with um, can be helpful. Um, Exchanging um, views on that or um, I think it can be very uh, inspiring. Yeah, I think that's a very helpful format.
1: In your opinion, Anne-Marie, do we talk enough with our customers outside our industry to learn how they run their businesses so we can develop those skills in our own business acumen and in order to adapt to, to the changing environments outside. For example, if you're selling to a healthcare industry or to education industry, do we know how the businesses run in those sectors in order for us to adapt? And and do we have the skill sets to do that?
2: I think this is an excellent point um, and where we can, I mean, we are so close we yeah, have so good relationships with many customers in different industries, right? There's a lot for us to learn there. So um I guess it's always a question of how you how exactly you form that relationship or how you um yeah, how close you are with the other person to see what kind of conversations or what level of candidness can you candor is the word what level of candor can you have with them. Um How much are they willing to share or are they even, you know, um, interested in discussing these things with you? But if you have access to such information, I think it's extremely valuable, yes.
1: And anything that you learn becomes knowledge. Uh, As a a leader uh, uh, where you are leading a group of people and their livelihoods depend on on your skills and, and your efforts, Do you think it is a responsibility of the leader to learn about the wishes and needs of their organization, their staff, and align that using, you know, maybe some sort of a SWOT analysis as to what they can deliver in terms of value to their customers?
2: Absolutely. I think um, it's very dangerous if you create an atmosphere where people feel it doesn't matter if they make an effort or not. So if you are able to find a system where you really include them into the strategic planning or in the development of new services, I think that can be very, very motivating for the team. And the way they handle that, let's say you you developed a, a service out of an idea that came from your staff, I think... The way um, that product is then produced and handled is, is a lot different when they know, okay, we have come up with this, or one of my peers has come up with this. And it um, creates this feeling of ownership, which is very important and helpful.
1: Anne-Marie, let me talk about, uh, um, or let me ask you rather, a question about a subject that's very dear to me. And you just touched upon that, which is uh, product development or service development in our, in our case. Having the right tool sets in terms of uh, education and business acumen. How do we do that methodically so the business always remains competitive and ahead of the curve? A majority of us are trying to just sell translation, but uh, the reality is we are actually not selling translations. Translation is just uh, a part of what we do. How often should we be reinventing ourselves, reinventing our services?
2: All the time, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, yeah. I, I touched on this earlier. I think um, it's uh, dangerous if we grow so accustomed to our processes and our services, and we just sell them over and over. And then we get annoyed when the client comes and says, "No, but that's not what I want." And we're like, oh, "But this is our product. Like, how can you not want this?" Uh, we really have to stay um, on, on top of things and. Um, yeah, it's a very difficult balancing act to, um, be profitable and have some, um, wiggle room in order to, you know, sit, tell a person, okay, sit down and think about this for a little while and come up with something, you know, being able to invest this, um, to invest into the development of new services. I think it's, it's vital. It's immensely important for us, but it's very difficult to find the, the money and time to do it. So that's kind of our main challenge as leaders, basically.
1: And and how much would having a business education and business experience help you deal with the challenge as opposed to someone who doesn't have any business experience?
2: In terms of product development, for example, um, I'm thinking about the lean concept, right? Um, uh how can we, or what, what is like the smallest minimum viable product that we can try out on someone um, and not lose any time in, you know, designing processes or filling out um, spreadsheets. But what can we do now and show to our customer to get feedback? So I think it's very important that um, the people who deal with these, um, the development of new products are aware of the best practices or otherwise you will pay in terms of time, in terms of, Failure, failure because your assumptions were wrong and you invested a lot of time into a product that in the end nobody wants.
1: Anne-Marie, let me actually um, continue this conversation. This is a specific topic. And and recently I had Renato Benenato, one of our uh, industry gurus actually on, on this podcast. And he said something that I've always been saying, that we are um, not speaking the right language with our customers. Uh, We continuously tell them that we offer you translation or localization, but at the end, the customer does not want localization or translation. They want a problem to be solved uh, about how they talk to their customer or how, for example, they can increase their sales in a specific market. Now, when you're developing a service or a product and and how important it is as a business person to have the skill set. And the ability to see what the customer's actual problem is to solve it, and then frame your your, uh, um, your your solution in the sense that it resonates with the customer, it actually solves their problem, and in the process, obviously, delivers business value.
2: Yeah, I mean that will sell, sell itself, right? That's kind right. of the core of every <laughs> the dream of every entrepreneur to find that right. uh, to find that product. So um, I guess uh, none of it. None of us have like the. the um, The secret key to, um, to how to do this. But, um, that's again where I think, um, knowing about the concepts that there are and knowing about strategies, how to tackle such, um, development projects are very, very helpful and, and, um, vital for the, for the, for the result that you can achieve. Otherwise, you and will, ju- you know, you will just be doing, be, uh, sitting there in your chamber and trying out things and coming up with ideas. But you, the first thing you have to do is um, talk to your customers and see if this, if this is actually what they need.
1: Absolutely. Now, um, no discussion about leadership in any industry, even in our industry, is complete without talking about equal representation of gender and diversity. And Marie, what? What do today's LSP leaders know and have as qualities to facilitate the fostering of an inclusive leadership board?
2: I think that female underrepresentation is not as big an issue as in localization as it is in other industries. That's my personal perception. I think we have a lot of female competency and leadership available, and I think that's great. That's very inspiring. I believe that um, one immediate difference that you can make as a leader is to create a family-friendly environment. I'm very proud to say that our organization is one where not only mothers, but also fathers take some, um, you know, uh, some time off to be with their children. When when parents come back from their leave, we offer reduced hours. We have always uh, managed to find a solution with with open communication, you know, talking about both sides needs. We were always able to find something that worked. And in my opinion, that's the very least we can do as leaders to trust our employees that, um, regardless of their personal and family situation, they will handle the tasks that they're committed to. And yes, they can be leaders even if they have small children. And um, if both sides want, well, if both sides want it, there will always be a way. In the end, this is also a question of competing for the best talent, right? Because if Absolutely. you create an atmosphere where um, that is family friendly and where Kids and career are not mutually exclusive. Then um, people will rather come work for you than for the competitor. Beyond the topic of female representation or this family topic, I think—I mean, this is my very personal opinion, right? In localization, I think we have pretty simple office jobs. We have—I mean, we have jobs that require a specific but not too hard to learn skill set, something that everyone can can learn basically, where um, physical impairments. Are not a problem as long as you can sit on a computer you know and also language barriers may be less of an issue in our industry than in others because even if you're not a native speaker of the language your organization operates in i mean after all our whole industry is about overcoming such barriers so i think it's really our responsibility and we should make an effort as an industry to make jobs available also to people who are physically impaired or who, you know, um, come from different um, cultural backgrounds, maybe are not native speakers of your language. So, um, this is a very dear topic to me, and I think we still have a long way to go there.
1: Do you think that our industry has made strides and progress in terms of inclusivity and gender representation?
2: I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, as I said, I think we, we are pretty good on the, um, gender side of things or female representation, otherwise I I wouldn't know to be honest, I'm I'm not sure.
1: Do you think that there should be more effort and focus on uh, nurturing and developing female leadership within our industry because uh, there might be a vacuum at the sea
0: level?
2: Maybe. um, I'm not such a big fan of, you know, um, Mm. formal efforts or having a, a quota or something. But I think what's very important is that there are role models because representation matters. And that's also part of why I enjoy my job so much because um, I think we have so many great women in our industry and I really uh, would like to be a positive role model for them and show them that um, everything is possible if you just um, have the dedication and the the mind
1: to do it. Well, you're definitely a role model and an inspiration to many of our future role models, so uh, our future leaders. Uh, and and for that, uh, I want to recognize you for that. Where Thank do you, you see our, you're welcome, where do you see our industry going from this point? How do you interpret the environment for leaders and people working under them in, in the coming few years?
2: Well, I think um, one topic that every company will have to solve for themselves is the balance between remote and hybrid work, right, Um, Right. coming back after this um, time where we all worked from home. Yeah, the the rapid technological changes will require us to stay on top of things. So we need to have our eyes open. We need to take advantage of the new opportunities that we see. We need to stay flexible and open. And use our business acumen and train it.
1: Well, that, that's a good way to put it. Now, as we reach the end of this uh, interview, Anne-Marie, what advice would you give the executives and leaders in our industry?
2: Never stop learning. Stay curious. There's still so much to learn.
1: Very well uh, very well put out advice there. anne it was a pleasure to speak with you and hear your perspective on such an important but overlooked topic. I think we have been able to highlight something that listeners can take away and apply to their businesses and improve the quality of their service, but also the overall performance of our industry in the global business arena. Uh, So with that, thank you for your time and I look forward to speaking with you soon again.
2: Thank you. It was my pleasure.
1: Perfect. Marie presented a fresh and different perspective on what having the right business skills and acumen mean for us. She is a young leader who is an inspiration for aspiring leaders in our industry and she eloquently pointed out how basic leadership skills can impact the survivability of our organizations, the culture that our industry is based upon and the opportunities that exist for improvement. I agree with her that competence is a mixture of values and learnings that we bring with ourselves to business. As Henry Ford pointed out, as leaders, we need to have the ability to do the right things when nobody is looking. And more importantly, we should be able to do that with the right attitude, mindset and acumen that will allow our businesses to flourish our staff to feel supported and comfortable and for future leaders to learn. As entrepreneurs, we constantly need to learn and repurpose our skills, knowledge and tools and I think the lockdowns presented a good opportunity to learn new things and improve our professional expertise. I also echo Anne Marie's advice that you should not stop learning and maybe today you should search. For a new course or training that you could add to your personal improvement agenda, and maybe share that with our community in the comment section of our LinkedIn post for this episode. And as Barbara Oakley, one of my favorite learning experts, says, Happy learnings, everyone. That's all for today. I had a lot of fun talking to Anne Marie Roots. She is a smart leader in our industry and I think we need more people like her to step forward and lead translation and localization initiatives in our industry. We will certainly be hearing more from this inspiring leader in the near future. Make sure to subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your platform of choice. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and a thumbs up wherever you are listening to this podcast. Your comments and feedback are very important for this podcast. Please keep them coming. Until next time.
0: Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.